Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Helps it on to Tyrone Mings and Konza! Ezri Konza strikes gold for Aston Villa! Hello and welcome back to the Gather Around the Lamp podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We're recording this immediately after the Burnley contest, but there are other Villa things that we need to discuss, including the Wolves fixture. It's been a busy holiday season so far for Villa, so naturally a little difficult to keep up with the podcasts as fixtures come fairly quickly. I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FineFoy, and I'm joined on this episode by Andy and Mark Jarobe's returned. What's going on, everybody? Mark Jerebi here. Pleasure to be back on the podcast. I had to take a little bit of a sabbatical, get some things in order, but of course, my love for the villa never fades. Really, really happy to be here, and always, as always, with Mr. Andy Bates. Welcome back, Mark. It's great great to have you back on. Uh, we've missed you. I hope we did a did a good enough job in your absence, but um, no, it's good to have you back and plenty to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, after the last episode, Villa found a way to snatch and grab three points from Wolves away at the Molyneux Stadium. You know, it was a bit of a rough and tumble affair. Um, Mike Dean was very, very happy to be uh, reaching into his pocket and pulling a card out at all stages of that game. Um, but, you know, there was two two players given second yellow cards, uh, Jan Martino and Douglas Louise, who were both sent off. Um, 37 fouls between the two teams and an Anwar El Ghazi penalty to decide the winner. We're not going to run through the Wolves game kind of step by step, but three points is, is three points at the end of the day. What did you guys make of the game and, and how happy are you to see Anwar El Ghazi stepping in to make such an impact in this game? I'm pleased with Anwar. I mean, I I know that he seems like the kind of player where he's a big confidence player, and this is obviously going to give him a lot of confidence. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth when we get to the Burnley game that happened today. But, I mean, I I don't know. He's always going to hold a place in my heart, even if he's not going to get the chances that that maybe some people think he he deserves and should just be handed to him. You know, I like the Dean Smith model of you have to earn it, you have to perform well in training to get on the actual football pitch itself. So I love things like that. But for Anwar, th- this was great to see. Andy, were you happy to see him give, be given the uh, the penalty by Mr. Jackie Grealish to get him a little bit of confidence in himself? Yeah, I was. And I think, you know, he delivered it, didn't he? He, he stuck it away, you know, really, um, really well. And... You know, showed a lot of confidence, and you could tell. You know, his celebration. There was a there was a bit of an outpouring, I think, of relief um, for him and 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 obviously his teammates. Um, you know, supporting him and, and surrounding him, which was which was fantastic to see. Um, I mean, it, the jury will always be out at it, out at, on on El Ghazi um, at this level because. Um, he is he is so hit and miss. Um, I mean, we will probably come on to no, tonight's game later, but you know, you see that you know sometimes he's dynamite, and other times, you know, he he, he goes he goes missing, and and so there'll always be that 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 kind of um, doubt about him, I suppose. Um, but like we say, and I would say, you know, those those, those guys that, that that got us promoted are, are heroes in 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 my book, and and Anwar's one of them, and you know, not least the fact that he, you know, he he kind of put his um, Ramadan uh, commitments on hold for for that running as well, which which shows his commitment really, and you know, I, I, look, he's a Villa man, he's a Villa player, and until until he isn't, and and I'll support him, support him whatever. So it's, it's it's great to see him come on and and nick those three points for us the other day. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know that, like you said, he is a very hit and miss kind of player, um, and we will speak about his performance against against Burnley. If if you didn't watch that game, spoiler, he, he started the game after scoring the penalty, um, but. One player that really stood out for me in in this Wolves game, and uh, you know we wouldn't have got all three points if it wasn't for him. Uh, that's Emi Martinez, the Great Wall of Argentina. He made some absolutely outstanding saves between the sticks that that aided Villa in sealing the win. Um, you know, 
do you think with without Martinez in net in this game we'd have we'd have found a way to win? He had pretty game saving heroics. I mean, for me, I don't I don't think there's there's many times where in in my course of supporting Villa where I really looked at a player and some of the saves he makes and go, wow, like that that could have changed so many so many times during Emmy Martinez being at Villa that I've already been like, man. If that goes that way or that goes that way, he just makes the wrong decision or if he doesn't come out for the all, all the intangibles of the game that you start to think about. And I just think he has it all. And, you know, that that is going to seem like I, I've got my Villa hat and, and shirt on and all that kind of stuff and being very biased. But I truly mean that. I think he's a wonderful goalkeeper. I'm really, really happy that Villa went out and got him. But, no, I don't, I don't think Villa get the three points in this game without Emmy Martinez. And I don't think that's the last time we're ever going to say something like that. Even with the Burnley game today, he, he ended up making a couple of saves that we'll get on to in a bit. But I I don't know, Andy. I, I think that he might be one of the like. Maybe it might still be a little early, but low key, he might be one of one of the better keepers in the league. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly on form, and and going back to his his Arsenal form um, last season, undoubtedly, he's, you know the performance he was putting in. I mean, this is what makes the the signing so um, so strange. Really, you know, when you look at how Arsenal are, are struggling now. You know they could have really done with someone like Martinez, sort of marshalling that back four um, or that back, their back three. You know, and, and providing them with that level of confidence and that, you know, that, that like we say that that wall to get round. Um, we've we've said on other podcasts, you know, he has been beaten a few times, but but in a, in a lot of those games, the only thing he really had to do was 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 pick the ball from the net you know he, he was beaten by some he's been beaten by some great strikes this season um but anything that's um that, that's gettable he's he's right there he's positioning um he's he seems spot on um he's obviously very athletic and he's very big and and and, and commands his goal and his penalty area I don't know. I mean, whether uh, not had much much cause to to see how he is with his feet, really. I, I, um, but he's certainly not made made any errors, and he seems perfectly perfectly decent in that area as well. So, I mean, what a signing! I, I, we talked earlier, didn't we, about? And I sort of said, oh, you know, not another goalkeeper. Um, but this guy, for me, I just if if Villa continue. You know, to perform and and to and and to maybe you know hang around in the top top ten or maybe top six of the Premier League. I'd love him to be our keeper for the next five or six years because he's he's just so 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 calming. You know, I just really like having him there. And um, twenty million just seems like an absolute steal to me. I think it's like really interesting that that you if you look at his like career path, obviously he. Um, I can't remember where he started in in Argentina, but obviously Arsenal signed him as a young kid, and he was there for nearly a decade. Um, and you know he's he's been out on loan to Wolves, he's been out on loan to to Reading, um, and and to countless other places. But in all of those places, he's never really stood out as as that kind of keeper that could do it at the you know a top 10 kind of premier league keeper he's never seemed that that kind of player um and you know i can remember looking at him when he was when he was playing at wolves and and things like that and and thinking just like you know this guy's not 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 it he seems like he's been around for an absolute age because i can remember like that was when wolves were in the championship um and I can remember like loans earlier than that, and just thinking like this this guy's never going to get a shot in the Premier League. Why why are Arsenal kind of wasting their time with him and keep extending his contract and so forth? And I could not be I couldn't have been more wrong. He is an exceptional goalkeeper, um, and I think yeah, like a lot of fans did sit there and think, you know what, twenty million on another goalkeeper, this is going to be a waste of money. Um, it really wasn't. It was pound for pound, probably the best signing we've made since we got promoted. I I agree with that, and I I think 
it comes down to a, a big psychological thing too, because like the old saying goes, you can't keep a good man down. Eventually, he's going to get up off of the mat, and I think that's kind of been the case with Emmy Martin as throughout his career. As he got told maybe he wasn't good enough, we're going to send you on these six, seven, eight loans, however many he had. I know it was a lot, but um, you know, eventually you get your shot, and when you get your shot, you better make damn sure you take that opportunity with both hands and, and don't let go. And as of right now, it seems that Emmy Martinez is definitely the kind of, of player that that is taking his chances, and he just seems so determined to succeed. And when you're talking about a club that's back on the rise like Aston Villa you want players like that you need players like that in the room you need them to be starting games you need them to show up in big moments in games and um, for me uh, Emmy hasn't hasn't faltered on that any anywhere near yet I mean yeah you can talk about the goals he's conceded but just like Andy alluded to um he's he's the goals he's conceding aren't exactly goals that he can, him or his defense can really do much about. So I, I think that he, he's a perfect player for Aston Villa for right now. I do think he's going to be here for the next four to five years, may even be longer. I'm okay with that. I mean, the, the goalkeeping union of Villa right now is pretty sick. It's pretty insane to think about, you know, even with, with Tom Heaton coming back and Jed Steer still knocking around. And, you know, there's there's just good quality keepers in the side, but I don't, I don't think anyone's getting Emmy Martinez out of them sticks anytime soon. No, I think as well, I mean, going back to the Arsenal thing, um, he's sometimes I think when a player is at a club for a long time from a young age, um, they're almost sort of taken for granted. They're almost part of, sort of part of the furniture almost. Um, maybe a little bit like Jed Steer is at, at, at Villa, but you know, that those young players that that kind of always get sort of shipped out on loan and never really get their opportunity. And I'm just wondering whether Arsenal have missed a trick with Martinez, where maybe he's 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 got he's got all those those kind of years of of, of maybe fluctuating form and and you know where his game probably perhaps wasn't quite up to scratch out of the way, and now he's he's at an age where a lot of goalkeepers do come into their own later later than outfield players. Um, and he's 28 years old, and maybe he's just hitting his peak now, which which could go on for sort of six or seven years at the top level. So um, maybe they've just missed a trick. They've just not really appreciated who what they had on their hands, really, um, and and have cashed in. Um, you know, they got a good price for him, I suppose, but they've cashed in and they've lost a, a very a very good Premier League goalkeeper. And um, you know, I. I, I, I <laughs> Let's just hope it carries on. I mean, you know, we've seen how goalkeepers can go in and out of form, but maybe he's been through that stage of his career already and he's he's come to us, you know, banging form. And, and let's hope it continues. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, in the Wolves game as well, Jacob Ramsey, uh, he made his very first Premier League start and didn't look out of place in that squad at all. You know, he, he kind of stepped into that Ross Barker role um, and I don't think he, he he looked out of place. You know, he he looked like uh, he'd been he'd been a part of that squad for a while, and obviously he's been training with them probably since I guess since his his loan to uh, Doncaster Rovers was cancelled um, when the season was resumed uh, for the Premier League. So he's probably been training with um, you know the first team squad for quite some time now, and he looked. He, he looked like he was a Premier League player, and that that says something because he's still so young. He's still got so much development to do. He could probably still do with another loan, um, but he he looked absolutely fine against Wolves, and I, I was very impressed with him. How do, how do you guys think he, he fared against this tenacious Wolves side? I think he did well. I mean, I'm not going to overblow it and say that he came on and, and you know absolutely you know tore the place down or anything like that. But I thought his passing was crisp, even though that he misplayed some passes. Sometimes he left him too short. Sometimes he overhit him. But his work rate seemed really good, especially with trying to get the ball back against Wolves. I enjoyed that. I love seeing that from from a youngster. I think his body's still going to fill out a little more. He is young. We're not really taking that into effect. I saw a couple of people on Twitter make a, a a few accusations about he's too lightweight and he's, he's got pushed off the ball. But Wolves are a really physical side. Those are big boys in that side. It's not, you know, they're not they're not feathers. You're not gonna be able to just, you know, blow them over just to run through them. But I think he's still gonna fill out a little bit. I can see more strength coming to his game. But um, yeah, I, I was I was pleased with with it. He, you're right. He looked like a Premier League player. He didn't look like he was really letting the occasion get get to his back. Now, if there were fans in the stadium, you might have seen a little bit of a difference to that. But you know, we're we're still trying to get that back in order. But Andy, did you see anything from Jacob Ramsey that maybe felt that he's gonna be a fixture in and around this uh, starting eleven? 
I think he's he's uh, he's done his case no harm, has he? Um, and I think when we're, we're talking about players being young, um, sort of eighteen, nineteen, that's when you want to see them start to get their opportunities in the in the first team. I think when they get to kind of twenty three tw- or twenty two, twenty three, and they're kind of going out on loan, a bit like O'Hare and Green. Um, you know, you sort of think, well, why haven't you actually sort of made more of a, a go of it yet? And I, I mean, Andre Green, to be fair to him, had had a really bad injury, didn't he? Which which sort of stunted his his progress. But I want to see players like Ramsey and in the next couple of years, um, Barry and uh, and well, I can't say his name, Chukawameka, is it? <laughs> get into the. Um, Get into the the first team squad and and start start showing what they can do, you know. No one expects them to absolutely rip it up and be the answer, um, but as long as they don't look out of place, and I definitely think that of Ramsey um, at, at, at the weekend, he was he, he just looked comfortable and 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 it didn't look beyond him at all. He looked he looked he looked good, um, you know. Like we say, didn't tear up any trees, but at the same time. Um, was it was a useful player to have in in that midfield, and I thought he did his job really well. Yeah, he absolutely did. And, and speaking of the midfield, there was a before the Wolves game, there was a, a big midfield update from the club, uh, and that was with John McGinn signing a new bumper contract. It will still keep him um, as an Aston Villa man for the next five seasons until he's thirty-one. Um, and then that's Jack Grealish, John McGinn, Tyrone Mings are locked all into long-term deals at Villa recently. At a period in time where it seems like Villa are really making huge strides forward. You know, there's been recent talk and rumours as well that Esri Concer and Douglas Louise could have been given, or could be rather, be given long-term deals in the not-so-distant future. You know, surely that that can only be seen as a positive, and and. You know, obviously, with with concert, I'd say it's very important. But Louise, do you think that this new con this new contract could shed this buyback buyback clause that he's got with Man City? I'm I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'm not sure how that's really going to work either. But as far as just tying the players down, we we talked about this before this uh, current season started. That you're going to have to start identifying an actual spine of the team and we know that Grealish is a part of that we know that Mings is a part of that but for them to you know give John McGinn a contract which we all love John McGinn we we know um, what he's capable of and I actually think he's going to get a little bit better I think that there's been a few injuries over the past nine nine to ten months that kind of hindered his game a little bit and he just had to get back into the feeling of it all I think we're starting to see that again this season um, but now you're talking about you know locking up Ezri Konsa and Douglas Louise. I think that's amazing and like I would love if, if that if you get key players and key positions locked down it really shows the kind of project that Villa are trying to build here it really shows how much the ownership cares about bringing this team together and making sure that there's a run to to get forward and things like that so for me I I, I couldn't be more happy with it Andy do, do, do you see anything that that thinks that you know, my, one of my buddies actually—he's he, probably going to hear this. So I got to say his name, but my buddy Mike Pearson down there in the great state of Texas—he calls Ezra Consa the Rolls Royce, and I think that he could turn into a Rolls Royce. The more the more game time we give him, and the more trust we give him, do you, do you think this is going to be good for the the maturation process of Consa and Louise if they do get a contract? I, I definitely think tying down your your top players is is what big clubs do. It's what clubs who are serious about about success do, and. Aston Villa have, have certainly done that. You know, they've, they've they've since the start of the season they've they've um, tied up the the the, bit, the three big guns really, haven't they? Um, and now they're they're kind of looking looking at, at other players. I th- I feel like Douglas Louise is going to be a tricky one because um, the the you know the the buyback clause complicates things. Surely um, you certainly wouldn't want to be giving him a new contract if the chances are he's going to. He's going to get picked off in January or or in um, in the summer by by Man City just activating the clause. Um, so presumably there'd have to be some kind of agreement then between Villa and City to buy that clause out, and uh, and whether you know that you know things hinge on that a little bit. And, and does does Dougie want that? You know, does he actually want to 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 commit to to Villa and and negate that deal? Um, I don't know, um, but I'd be absolutely delighted. I think Douglas Louise is such a such a high quality player. Um, it would probably cost us 
I mean, if you were to buy someone of the same quality and the same potential, you, you've got to be talking 50, 60 million at least to replace him. Um, so it has, he has to, it, I mean, it would just be an astonishing to, to time down. Um, and Konza, I love I love Ezri Konza. I just think he's 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 so reassuring at the back, and I think I think Mings loves having him uh, next to him there. And absolutely, uh, you know, the, these are the kind of kind of deals I want to see happening. Um, you know, making sure that, that that this this squad has has the you know that development time in them, and and they're going to be around for a while, and they're going to really bed down in the top half of the Premier League. Yeah, I hope so. Um but with you with you know Louise, um I feel like he I feel like he plays the major part in, in this this kind of new deal. It, it's whether or not he wants to go back to, to Man City and, and you know try for that that place. And obviously Man City have have the upper hand in this because you know, come January, if they want him back, they can just trigger his his claws and he's gone. Um, so it's it's down to Pep Guardiola, really. Pep Guardiola has Douglas Luiz's future in his hands at the moment, unless Pep doesn't want him, and we can kind of go to City and say, "Listen, there's six months left on this clause. We're we're going to buy it out for a couple of million, um, and we're going to give him a new contract." So sling your rock and he's ours. Um, but whether that's the case or not, we don't know. Um, the, 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 sorry to interrupt. The, the other aspect to that is whether Dougie wants to go, you know, and uh, he might see his future or his immediate future with with Villa on, you know, in a in a, a kind of a, an up and coming project, really. And you know, all right, he'd get the, the opportunity to pay for play for Pep Guardiola, but you know he's got to be very very confident that he's going to be playing and he's going to be in the in the side and um because otherwise you know he's going to he's going to fall out of the the Brazil reckoning as well isn't he so sorry sorry to uh, cut across you no no problem let's move on to the the fixture against burnley anyway um villa came into this game without a few key players Douglas Louise, Trezeguet, Matty Cash were all known to be unavailable through either injury or suspension. But Ezri Konsa was left out of the team as well due to illness. Um, the team selection also hinted towards Jack Grealish playing in a more central role with Anwar Al-Ghazi and Bertrand Traoré flanking him. Villa looked the more offensive side really throughout the first five minutes and and well you know throughout the game really um but Bertrand Truro narrowly missed out on it on his first Premier League goal you know Villa were definitely on the front foot through the opening period um and you know players were getting chances obviously the aforementioned Truro Al Ghazi had a great chance in the Burnley 18 yard box and by by the 15th minute Villa had had 68% possession um you know, it's it's Burnley. We know that Sean Dyche doesn't mind his Burnley side playing that way from time to time. What did what were you guys' thoughts on the opening stages of this this game? I was hopeful about it. I mean, I was even hopeful about it when the team sheet came out. There, there was some talk uh, out there on, on Twitter and other social media where, you know, people weren't happy with it. They thought they were going to get a repeat uh, performance of how we saw when we rotated against Stoke in the Carabao Cup. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more positive about it when, when rotation happens because. Uh, in my mind, the, these players that don't get a chance to play very often want to play, and if things just happen to open up that they're able to, I always I always give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to give their absolute best and put in a good shift. But, I mean, I was happy with it. What I seen from the first 15, 20, you know, even 30 minutes of the game, you know, Villa was on the front foot, and there, there were times where Burnley just didn't really know what to do. Uh, it's, it seemed like they were they were just trying to keep the ball at the back of the net. And we, you know, we know that's Burnley and that's Sean Dyche, and that's that's how they've, you know, decided to, to play the game. And a lot of people think it's anti-football some people think it's smart football but you know with with what Dyche has at his disposal there at Burnley and what they generally spend in a transfer you know in a transfer period that you know that that's probably the best you're going to get out of that side um you know is just kind of t- take the chances as they come but I mean I, I was happy with it in the beginning Andy did, did you see I mean I I'm not gonna we all know what the result was by now but like I thought there might have been you know three or four goals scored in this opening opening half yeah I was a bit surprised um you know, it did. I mean, it eventually sort of went to half time at nil nil, and I, I was a bit surprised by that. I felt like, I felt like we were getting 
into good areas very easily. Um, and then maybe similar to, to, to the Wolves game in a sense, we were kind of our own worst enemy when we got close to the goal and and almost um, snatching a little bit at, at, at things and whether it's the final ball or the, or the opportunity, the chance, you know. Um, and I, I, it just felt a little bit like this, this might get a bit frustrating because I didn't feel like Burnley had enough you know, to stop us getting chances or even to to push us back. Um, and it really felt like it was going to be a bit of a 90-minute a onslaught, really. And, you know, you it, we just lacked a, a, a bit of a clinical edge. Um, I, d- I don't know what, what it was. I suppose we just have these, these type of games, don't we? And I just felt like, you know, it was going to either take something really special for us to win the game or... Or, or just an opportunity to to fall to someone and, and be unable to miss, really. But, um, yeah, I mean, we started very, very strongly and, and very well. But I, I, there, there was that that sign that it was going to be a bit of a long evening. Yeah, you know, we we dominated the game. We dominated possession. We had more of the chances, but it's not to say that Burnley didn't have chances of their own. Um, you know, Dwight McNeil glided through our entire defence and played the ball out to Westwood, who who shot wide. Um, there was there was a couple of chances. Um, for Burnley in both halves um, but I think we defended very resolutely um, just as well as, as Burnley did unfortunately but you know we defended well whilst dominating the game um, obviously Andy we've spoken about him in the last couple of pods and you probably knew it was coming in this pod but I thought Courtney Hawes had an incredible game um, you know he was very imperious in the air won absolutely everything that came towards him and I I do think he's an outstanding defender. I think he gets caught under his feet a couple of times a game. Um but in the air there's there's not a better defender in this in this team, I don't think. Absolutely. I and mean, he's so dominant, isn't he, in that in that aspect of the game and we've we have talked about him and we've we've kind of said how you know how you know it's not only in the air, he's also very good on the ball. Um and he's he's got a good range of passing. Um, it's a it's a really tough one, isn't it? Because um, you know, obviously, I think I think Cons is the first choice, um, and certainly Mings. But it's really reassuring to know that you've got a guy like Hawes who can just who can just slot in on on either side of that back back two, um, and just just fill in really really well. He's, he, he, I agree. I thought I thought he was excellent. Tonight, um, and he's a threat in the other box as well, isn't he? Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, you kind of want players like that in the side, and we've spoke about him playing at left back, and you know, top at targets had a good, a decent run. Um, I thought he was a bit off tonight, but he's he's generally had a decent run there at left back, and it's you can't fit all these players into the side, but. It, but it's good to know that there's a that little bit of depth there um, in the defence. Um, I mean, how, how did you f- see it today, Mark, with with Hawes and Mings there at the back? I thought Courtney looked good. I mean, I I I don't mind Courtney Hawes' game. I just think that sometimes it's it seems like Regan said he gets ca- kind of caught under his feet a little bit, especially uh, for these teams that like to hoof the ball over the top. And, and it's not to say he doesn't have pace. Like I've seen him outpace you know players before. I mean, granted they're strikers and all, but you know he, he can he can get he can get past the man when he really needs to. It's just that that one or two errors that that I'm not really fond of. But that's any player in football really when you when you come to think about it. But I thought he did well tonight. Like Regan said, you know he he gets up in the air really high. We saw him on a, on a set piece. The almost put places in the back of the net past Nick Pope. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a wonderful addition to this squad. I, I thought that it, it was going to be a little bit of a process whenever we did bring him in on a permanent basis. But uh, I know he wants to be playing more. I know he really does. But it, it's going to be hard to break up that two of, of Mings and Conta. Like you said, if, if we can put 12 men on the pitch, I think I might put Courtney Horse back there between Mings and Conta, you know, just for a little bit of added protection. I think I'd look there instead of putting a striker up top. But, you know, that's all a bit fantasy land. But I, th- I think he did 
well. He stepped in under, you know, terms that he probably didn't know for for a couple of days that he was he was going to start this game. He might have not even thought he was going to make the bench. And then, you know, Consa with this supposed illness he has that 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 news can come fairly quick to find out a, a nailed on starter in the eleven isn't isn't going to play. So, but yeah, good for him, man. I mean, if he sticks around and keeps putting in performances like that when his numbers called upon, you know, I can, I can see him here for 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 a good good little while still. Uh, another player I want to I want to speak about individually um, is Bertrand Traore. Now he didn't really have the best time against Wolves, and he started this Burnley game off quite poorly as well. I feel um, I, I think he gets caught under his feet a little bit as well. Um, he's got quite a poor touch at times, and he's so 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 left footed, um, but. He had this outstanding chance in in the first half when the ball falls to him at the far post from uh, El Ghazi's cross. And, you know, you're thinking, just whack it first time, whack it first time, and that's in. But no, he decides to control it on his right, position himself on his left, and poke a shot towards the the near... Well, the the near corner to him, I suppose. And he's closed down, and, you know, the ball's smothered away from him. I feel like he's got so much more to offer in a Villa shirt, but so far I'm I'm not impressed with him other than that goal against Bristol City. Yeah, I think he has a lot more to give too, and I just I'm I'm kind of in two minds about it because on one part of me thinks that he might be one of the better dribblers of the ball in the league, but also sometimes I I really look back on some of the plays where he has the ball at his feet, and I think sometimes he just gets incredibly incredibly lucky to beat a, a defender one on one. I think he kind of does these stepovers and then darts one way, and the defender kind of misjudges which way he's he's going to dart around, and then he's gone. He 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 has the ability, he has the athletic ability to, to beat a man one on one, but it, it's so funny because whenever we were even rumored to bring in Bertrand Traore everyone who, who wrote about it and talked about it said oh you know he's one-footed and his first touch is poor and you read that and say okay that's all right you, we can manage to work with that and then we see today <laughs> and you kind of have to wonder to yourself like wow it's one thing to know those things but th- now to actually see it on a game-by-game basis man sometimes his first touch is brilliant and other times it looks like it like a bomb has gone off in the ball and that thing goes a completely other direction than what it's supposed to. So I, I still don't know. I still don't know what the best part of his game is. Is it the dribbling ability? Is it the athletic ability? Is it just to pop up in the right places? I mean, he was he was almost acting like a safety trigger for a lot of players today where if they were getting closed down in the middle of the park, he would always cut toward the middle and, and be the out man to get the ball to to try to get the ball to safety or up the pitch. So I, I don't know. Andy, do you think we're going to see any more from, from Trey Ore or do you think this is pretty much the finished article? I think no. I think we will. I think we will see some more from him because I think he's he's just settling into things at the minute. He's had a bit of a stop start um, start to his his time at Villa, and you know, totally because uh, Trezeguet has been been so so good and kept the shirt. Um, I like Traore. I think there's that feeling sometimes he'll he will he will beat a man. And you're sort of thinking now, just put the afterburners on and go. And he, he sort of holds back and he checks back and he he's not quite... It's almost like he's, he's lacking that little bit of confidence or maybe he doesn't see his role in the team as being as, as being that, that, that creative yet. I don't know, but um, sometimes I just feel like he's, he's playing a little bit within himself and he's obviously got a lot of abilities he's you know he is very one-footed um which is you know we've said before probably why he's he's a he's a 15 million pound winger and not a not a 30 million pound winger but you've got to work with it and you know a lot of players are quite one-footed really and 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 you've just got to got to make the best of it and, and make sure he's working it onto his onto his 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 better foot really and uh I, I think we will see more from him. I was actually quite impressed with his work rate today as well. I thought he, I thought he got back and helped help target really well. I thought he was, you know, he was um, doubling up well and he was he was he was chasing things down. And I thought, you know, I was, he feels like it feels like he's starting to get it a little bit with with what what Smith wants from him. But um, no, I think we we'll, we will see more from him. And I think a, a goal in the Premier League would be uh, would be a real confidence booster for him. 
I feel like a lot of Villa fans feel like I don't know if you've seen the, seen the meme of that that ginger lad crying, and it's like a Snapchat picture, and it's like feel like pure shit, just want a Burke. I feel like Villa fans are like feel like pure shit, just want Trez Burke at the moment because that's how that's how I feel it anyway because whilst Trezeguet got kind of lambasted over the last couple of games for missed opportunities I feel like he he just offers so much more um both defensively and offensively I think Traore is fine as a as a sub um but really for me I feel like once Barkley's back and once Trezzy's back, he 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 stays on the bench, um, and it's going to take an injury uh, to to give him his opportunity because I'm I'm sure Dean's probably not overly impressed with it. I I understand he's he's got he needs time to bed in, he needs time to get used to the Premier League again, um, get used to his teammates. But I feel like Dean's not overly impressed with him either um, because he, he's. It's a bit like Trezeguet last season or Al Ghazi last season, and he's getting subbed. He's the man, the first man getting subbed off every game that he starts, and you you just know it. Um, but you know, in the second half as well, there was that opportunity he had, and Grealish kind of spreads their defense, and then their defense is compact and Traore's through, and you're just thinking, shoot it first time once again. It's on your left foot, just shoot it first time. But he takes a couple of touches and shoots, and he's smothered again. And I, I feel like he just think he's overthinking things too much, and that's his problem. Um, you know, Traore could have quite easily had a brace this evening, um, and you know that's that's the exact same for Al Ghazi as well. Um, I don't think Al Ghazi perhaps overthinks it too much. I think he just perhaps puts too much power or too little power can't decide which one to choose from uh, he did have an outstanding opportunity with a free kick you know that Nick Pope if Nick Pope doesn't get a fingertip to that that's in um, Nick Pope tips it onto the bar but you know El Ghazi had chance after chance after chance that he either fired over the bar it didn't have enough power on it or he just placed it directly towards Nick Pope Um and you know, I was impressed with Algarzi. He he did a lot of similar runs to like that, that that Jack would usually do, in that he's kind of running at them and forcing them to be so compact, and it's allowing a, a target or a Grealish or a Watkins to kind of sp- split the defence a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's one of those, isn't it? I I was impressed with our kind of attacking ethos in this game but at the same time it, we just need to be more clinical well see you talk about the entire thing with Burton Shura and Anwar El Ghazi now if either one of them get a one goal or one assist for either of them we're talking about a master class probably from from either of them because they just had so much impetus on the ball they were doing things I mean there, there was a point in time I, th- I think you were talking about that chance that happened in the 57, 52nd minute um, with Grealish absolutely splitting the defense right in half and then Traore makes a really good run it's a really good run off Jack's right hand side he slots the ball right through to him but like you said too many touches maybe it's the speed of the Premier League that he's he's still getting used to um maybe it is an indecisive nature a little bit but man all he had to do is just blast that ball across nick pope's body and that's a goal and then you can start talking about either setting up shop or trying to go get another one against burnley here but i mean it's just it's tough seeing villa have these many chances uh, and and not not cash in on them um it, it looked so much like a, a bad game of football manager for those that listen that actually play that game but it, it's just over and over again you get the chances over and over and it's just not coming to fruition it's just one of those days i don't think you can say that you know villa's port finishing i don't really think you get that i think it's just one of those days at the office where we tried a lot of things a lot of different things a lot of different set pieces i was i was noticing different looks on set pieces um, you know, the, the, even at, at one point in time off a corner, we tried that that grand old you know corner to Jackie Grealish on the edge of the box. You know, and he he, he shoots it, it bounces around in the box. You never know if it's going to hit a hand. You never know if it's going to bounce in the back of the net. All these things. So I I think Villa truly, well and truly gave it their all tonight, and it just didn't come off. Andy, I, I don't I don't think that's as maybe as deathly as a lot of Villa supporters are making it out to be, but we all know how Villa supporters are with knee-jerk decisions immediately after a game. I'm just trying to rationalize exactly, you know, is this is this a worrying sign, or is this maybe a sign that, you know, hey, we're all right. If we can play like that every game, granted we're playing against Burnley today, we we, we have a shot at having a really, really good season still. I mean, that's 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 the thing, isn't it? If we, if we were drawing nil-nil at home to Burnley, and we weren't, 
playing particularly well or we weren't creating chances, then then of course you're going to be more worried about that, aren't you? Um, and actually, you know, a few people I spoke to said that, that they'd have been very, very happy with a draw today, given the, the recent home form. Um, but I think it's obviously the context of the game makes you judge it differently and, and they should have won today. And not only, I mean, we've talked about Al Ghazi and he'll get highlighted because he, he did miss um, a few good chances and Traore one or two as well, but, but, but Grealish as well, you know, he's, he's missed, missed a couple of good opportunities and it feels like sometimes they're, they're in that position where they're running at goal whether it's El Ghazi or Grealish or Traore, they're running in at goal. And, you know, they're looking for that, that opening or that, that option to sort of slide Watkins in, but there's no real, they're not really working a chance. They're not really, they're not really, you know, using any kind of technique or tactical awareness. They're just kind of running into the, into the heart of the defence and, and hoping something's going to bounce for them. Um, and I suppose that's that's it's good to have those sort of players, but 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 defenders are very adept at, at, at stopping those opportunities and and not letting the runners go or or blocking the chance. And I think you've got to you've got to have a bit more about you at this level, and you know, and try and work opportunities a bit more sort of down in, into the channels a bit a bit a bit more, and and get you know create proper big chances in the penalty area rather than. You know, sort of running at goal and and shooting. You know, that's that that's a little bit sort of FIFA for me <laughs> to 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 talk about a, a video game. That you know, that's a bit you know where you you just hit the same button and run at the goal and shoot. You know, it's um, it's it's kind of it's it's a bit like that. And 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 you know, it's fine if and if you score from it, then it's great. But a lot of the time, the defenses are gonna are gonna block that sort of thing out and um. Yeah, we need to be a bit more astute, I think, and and making sure we're getting getting Watkins in front of the goal um, with with proper chances, really going forward. Something I'm not a big fan of in the, in the way that we play is is our crossing. Um, I feel like ever since the championship season, we just kind of recycle possession and waste possession too much by just punting the ball towards the the back post or punting the ball into the box hoping that someone's going to get ahead on it um and i think you know this it's it's just it's so wasteful um and you know generally it is the case that it's our our fullbacks that are crossing the ball in and i'd prefer that to you know Trezeguet or or Grealish or whoever's playing out on the left crossing the ball in because you know, Trezeguet and Grealish are, are two of the biggest goal threats to the opposition alongside Watkins. And very much like today with Al Ghazi against Burnley, you see Al Ghazi kind of cutting in from the left or, or, or where the wing he's on at the time and then like taking it onto his right foot and, and firing towards goal. And I'd much prefer that to try and beat your man, perhaps try and win a penalty, than, than just firing a hopeful ball in and thinking someone's going to get on the end of this when generally it's not the case. Yeah, it's frustrating, but I definitely agree with you from the championship years we saw. Like, I'm not saying we had better crossers of the ball then. I just think, like, under the Steve Bruce regime, I think that that was kind of like the the mentality of, like, a, um, like an Alberta Doma crossing the ball into the box. Or, you know, you had the likes of Robert Snodgrass that didn't mind putting the ball into the box. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more crosses from, from Matty Cash and from Matt Target. Not so much from Target. Cash does like to, you know, get forward, but he, he crosses a little early for my liking. I'd like to see him get up to pitch a little bit more, but, I mean, he, he's just learning in the Premier League still. He, he's going to be a hell of a player. He already is. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just... Are, are is Villa a one trick pony when they get into the final third? Is is just you know get it out wide to get it in the in the box and just pray for something to happen? It seems like the the attacking bite of Aston Villa really comes through counter attacks or just trying to you know have have man advantages going back into the the final third of the pitch. I, I'm not sure that that's a measure of success, um, but it just seems like that's something that Dean Smith and his coaching staff like want to do with the players at their disposal. So I'm no one to no one to criticize that at all. But I would like to see at least better quality crosses not just like the huck it chuck it like okay well you know i'm out here 
a one-on-one versus defender. I could, you know, look behind me and give it back to my fullback and recycle the ball, or I can just try to launch it in. And that it feels like that sometimes is the thought process. But you know, you got you got to find a person. You can't just be knocking them all over the place. I think we saw a little bit of that today with El Mohamedy. He seemed like he had a really, really big chip on his shoulder to cross a ball in the box, and it came off for him sometimes. Other times, not so many. But I don't know, Andy. Do you, do you want to see Villa cross a little bit more? Do you, do you think that our our identity now is just like push, push, push up the field as fast as you can, counterattacks and things like that. It feels like that, doesn't it? And I, I wonder if that's it's more to do with the, the the opposition as well. I mean, if if you've just got two banks of four in front of you, and they're you know they're they're in formation, it's it's very hard to know exactly what to do. Um, it's about sort of pulling them around, really. And I, I think that's something that. Obviously, when Ross Barkley's in the team, that that, that comes a, a little bit easier to the, to them um, because he pops up in all sorts of uh, interesting places um, in the final third. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does just feel a little bit like it's like today they they did play well and they certainly dominated the game. And I don't want to be sitting here complaining too much because they have created an awful lot of chances as well. But it doesn't feel necessarily like, you know, it, it feels a little bit like sort of like we said, hit and hope, or, or just kind of run run at them and see what happens. Um, and I'm sure there's more to it than that. But, um, and of course they rely on Jack Grealish in that respect because, you know, in those in those kind of situations, he's pretty unplayable, isn't he? But, you know, um, I don't know. I, it's 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 a tricky one. I think it's. It's partly to do with the opposition and, and maybe partly to do with just that little bit of nous and experience in the final third to, to create to create decent chances, really. The the one game that I can't think of us like having a, an overbearing on, on, on crossing the ball into the box is the seven two win against Liverpool. And you know, we say it's it's about who you're playing and and obviously we're playing the champions then. Um but we we didn't need to cross because we'd let them press, we let them push, and we'd counter them hard, and it worked. Um, we 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 set traps for them, and that's something that Dean Smith talks about an awful lot. You can't necessarily do that against teams that have this low block, like Burnley, like Brighton, like any team within the bottom half of the Premier League. You can't just invite pressure on and then came to them because they're not playing that kind of game they don't want to give in to you you inviting the pressure so I think we need to find a different way to kind of beat these teams that are more resolute at the back and and not too fussed about going forward all the time and more more than happy to kind of nick that goal um, that, that would win them the game we need to think, right, they're kind of pl- playing this low block. They're kind of parking the bus a little bit. We need to get a better a better way of getting in the box than just lumping it in from, from you know, the byline or from, from a, a deep cross from a, a, a fullback. I think it's tough for any team when you go against a regimented and soldier-like squad like Burnley to where every player knows their role on the pitch. They're not going to think too much outside of the box. They're not going to deviate too much from the plan. So I think that's going to be tough for Dean Smith and his coaching staff to kind of – it's almost like you have to create triggers and create these kind of things where, okay, if this – center mid gets caught up the pitch look for this to happen it seems like that's a very simple thing but when you play a team like a Brighton or like a Burnley or even a Sheffield United even for as poor as they're doing this season that's a hard thing to do because they just stay so tight and so structured to what they're going to do and you know they they always tell you in sports like oh don't worry about what the opposition's doing worry about what you're doing but it's almost a little bit of a double-edged sword in the Premier League to where you have to be aware that you're coming up against sides like a Burnley that's going to be tough to break down. So you, these these triggers and these things that happen, they don't come as smoothly as they will against a team that has a lot more pace or a lot more gal on the ball. Because I mean, you know that Mo Salah is going to rush up the right hand side of the field and he's going to want to cut it in. You know, you can't say that that Ben Mee is is going to join the midfield. You know, to try to try to spring a ball over the top to catch Tyron Ming sleeping. It sounds like it's crazy, but like that that's really how you have to think about it. And when a team like Burnley doesn't do those things, it's 
it's always gonna it's always gonna be difficult to break them down and, and get to your own game. I mean, it's it sounds like kind of like psycho babble football a little bit, but it, re- it really it really does like that. That's honestly the way the game is thought about these days. Yeah, I think I think you're right, absolutely, Mark. And you know, you you, you can't. Um you do have to sort of play your game to the opposition, really. And, and I know another day we probably win four or five nil tonight, and uh, and and it's and it, and we're talking about a very different thing, um, you know. But as well, you, you have to sort of think about sort of bringing these 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 patterns of play in. Um, certainly, when you're playing at home, where you you feel comfortable and confident about breaking teams down, and you know, I just wonder whether. You know, we would maybe benefit with from um, a situation if they could work it with the personnel to 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 get get John McGinn breaking forward a little bit more. And you know, he he got quite a lot of joy last season, sort of breaking into the penalty area and, and getting on the end of things. And I wonder if if that's something that we need to we need to look at maybe um, for, for for next time. But you know, it's. Um, it's hard when you've got Barkley and, and Grealish and, and, and these other players um, knocking around as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to Sunday's game in less than 72 hours. Hopefully Villa will be wanting to take their frustrations out um, from this game against against the local rival that are in quite poor form. Um, by now we all know that big Sam Allardyce is now in charge of the baggies after Slavin Bilic was sacked after a, a quite well-worked draw against Manchester City. Um, first off, what do you guys make of the, the big Sam appointment? And do you think he has what it takes to keep keep this club up after three years out of the game? I mean, we all, we all talk about... Um you know, people that talk about football and write about football and things, they always talk about how the game rapidly changes. And I think in about three years' time, the Premier Leagues might have changed like four or five times. So I'm curious to see how West Brom actually play. I'm curious what he's getting out of them. I'm curious of his team selection. You know, it's kind of a dark horse game. You really don't know what you're getting out of Big Sam. Is he just going to try and park the bus? Are we going to play basically a Burnley version 2.0? Or like, how how's it actually going to go down? But I mean, as far as the appointment goes, it, it doesn't shock me. It, it does shock me that they they've sacked Billich after a one one draw against Manchester City. I, what what did they want? They, did they go into that game thinking like if he doesn't get three points today, we're going to sack him? Like that's ridiculous, it's Manchester City, bro. Like you're not playing Middlesbrough. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like you're giving you're giving the man no chance to save his job if that's the barometer of this is what we're looking for you in the in the short term. But I I don't I don't know what to expect from West Brom now because you're getting a coach that's been out of the game. Um, he obviously has an incredible you know I'm gonna said resume, but incredible CV. Um, of you know keeping teams up i i just i don't know i think this i don't want to say it has the potential to be a banana slip fixture but it could possibly be a banana slip fixture andy are you a little timid on on what to expect from this game or do you think villa is gonna take the screws to west brown i was when when the appointment was made i thought oh this was, this puts an interesting edge on it um but i think a lot of that edge would have been um a full packed hawthorns welcoming their their new manager he's a bit of a local boy as well big sam um born in dudley wasn't he yeah so he's 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 back in his his home area really and or sort of his home area um and i think that would have been a you know that it would have added a bit of spice to the atmosphere but in an empty stadium i don't think it will make any difference at all i think they'll they'll be the same team He'll probably set them up maybe a little bit differently, but there's not an awful lot he's going to change within a couple of days. And I think if we play like we we have done tonight and away from home generally this season, I think I think we should we should be okay against them. Um, in a in a in the cauldron of a local a local sort of derby packed house at the Hawthorns, it's it's a different different matter, but. Um, I don't think it'll it'll disappointment makes any difference to us really at the weekend, and I, I you know I'm I'm really pleased actually that that Big Sam's back in the Premier League. I think he's a he's a great coach. I think he's a he's a lot more um, tactically and technically astute than people give him credit for. I think he gets lumped in with with the Pulis and Pardews of this world, and you know he's certainly a long long way from that. He's a he's a very astute manager and. Um, 
I think he, he he will certainly have a much better chance of keeping them up than, than Bilic would have had. And I think that's the basis of the decision, really. Who's more likely? Who's, who, would you, who would you rather have in a relegation battle? And, you know, there were a few Villa fans who were calling for a similar type of move last season as we approached the last few games and, and we looked like we were staring down the barrel. So, um, I, I, you know... We were we we were fortunate enough that Dean Smith had 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 enough to turn it round, but um, you know I'm not sure about I'm not sure Billich would have I think he'd have it'd have carried on much much as it was really, and they've got to give themselves a chance of staying up. They don't see themselves as a championship team, and um, you know that going down isn't isn't an option for them. Now the baggies will be hoping for the new manager bounce that usually comes with a, a new appointment. You know, you usually get a couple of a, a nice a couple of nice uh, results and then go back into your old ways. Um, West Brom are in nineteenth at the moment with seven points and one win this season. You know, a fresh manager with fresh ideas. Andy, as you said, you know he's, he's quite a, a quite an astute manager. He, he, he does get lumped in with the Pulises of the world, but he's he's quite, he's got quite a modern approach. I know he's very kind of into his data, into his kind of uh, sports science, and he was one of the first managers to kind of bring that to the Premier League when he was managing Bolton. Um, but you know, do you think this has the potential to be a, a banana slip fixture for, for Villa guys, or do you think it's going to be another bad day at the office for the Baggies? I think it's going to be a bad day at the office for the Baggies. And if I'm Dean Smith, literally right after the Burnley game, I'm yanking Jack Grealish into the into the office. I'm sending him down. I'm like, listen, you you what? I'm 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 going to grab Jack Grealish <laughs> by the head. Y'all you always say you always have this comment about me saying yank. <laughs> it's funny that I'm called a yank, but I can't use the word yank. So anyway, I grab Jack Grealish by the ears, sit him down in the office, and say, you got some homework. I want it done in the next 24 hours. I want you to come up with a speech. We're going to get everybody together, sit him down, and you tell them what playing West Brom means to you. You're the boyhood fan. You're the captain. You mean so much you know, to this football club. I want you to let them know how much that means to you. And then I want to go out and beat the absolute living hell out of West Brom. Try to kick them when they're down. Try to get an advantage over a local derby. I, I just think I think you think you have to. And like for all the things said about Big Sam and his dad and all them things, I'm not having that. You're out of the game for so long. Yes, granted, it's still the same game. Not much has changed, barring what VAR. But I just I I don't think he's going to be the man to get the job done. If he makes me eat my words, I'm fine with it. But the game's changed, and I'm just curious to see how he gets on. I don't think that having that much of an absence in a coaching capacity, and then coming right back and having a big big job on your hands, I'm sorry, I, I don't I don't live in that kind of fantasy world to think that that's going to be something that gets done. Well, I, I guess I guess we'll agree to disagree uh, on that. But I think I think he'll I think he'll turn him around. I just don't think it'll be that quick. Um, I remember a few years ago he did he did that at Sunderland, and it was a f- it was a few games really before before they started really sort of moving away from the um, or, or up towards the the safety line really. So you know we'll see. I think I, th- I think I think it's um, it's probably his last job, isn't it? It's probably his last his last go. Um, and it's it's kind of on her home turf for him, and I think he'll uh, he'll want to make a really good fist of it. Um, and I, I imagine that a lot of the any progress that gets made will 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 coincide with um, probably some activity in January because they need to back him. You know, they did they haven't backed Billich at all really. Um, they've even sold players from under his nose, and and, and I think. They, if if they do that to Big Sam, he'll he'll, he'll be out of there. Um, so I'm sure he's had some assurances that that there'll be um, there'll be funds available for him, and that's probably when you'll see see maybe a, a, a difference being made. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm 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 looking forward to Sunday. I don't normally look forward to local derbies, but I'm I'm quite looking forward to it and and seeing what we've got really. Andy, there's a I'll, nice. Uh, oh, go on. Hold, one, one second, Andy. I'll make you a bet. If West Brom stay up. I'll buy you a sixer, sixer of purity ale, but if they go down, <laughs> you got to buy me a sixer of beer over this way. Does that sound okay. good? Okay, no, that's All fine. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're, you're on. I think West Brom will stay up. <laughs> 
Interesting. There's a nice there's a nice two million pound pay packet for uh, Allardyce if he does manage to keep him up, isn't there? Yeah, nice but bonus he's, only on, he's only on eighteen months. He's only on an eighteen month contract. I think I think they know that this is pretty much the Han Solo shot in the dark. That they they're just they're just trying something. They're trying it, and yeah, they probably wouldn't have got it done with with Billage, but I don't know, man. It's just gonna be curious if he if he does what he did with Crystal Palace and they end up shooting up the table. I'll, I'll eat my words. I have no problem with it. Okay, right. As we usually end the podcast, short and sweet score predictions. We'll go to you first, Mark. 4-0 Villa. Blimey. Okay. Uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 2-0. I'm gonna go conservative. 2-0. Um yeah. I'm just just tasting those purity ales coming my way, mate. Oh jeez, here we go already. <laughs> This is made three, three minutes ago. He's already he's already on the talk. All right, all right. This will be a fun one. This is going to be this, at least it's a little something to look forward to at the bottom of the table since Villa's not going to be there. Wink, wink, well, nudge, nudge. It's a bit of a weird one for me. What actually wanting having a reason to want West Brom to stay up? I mean, that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know quite what you've done to me here, Mark. This is, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel about this. Conflicted. In, in, yeah. in, in, the, in the poker world, we call this a trap. I set the yeah. cheese, baby. I'm just waiting on it. Them beers are going to be great whenever I get them. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a a, a big score line. Uh, I'm gonna go five two to Villa. Um, I think. I think we'll concede first. Um, and then we'll come back, and they'll go ahead again, and we'll come back, and then we'll just kick on from there and, and, and put the game beyond them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast. Um, if you have enjoyed it, please do give us a review or a comment on social media or like or subscribe on, on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media... You can do so on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook for slash under a gaslit lamp, and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. And as always, guys, thanks for listening and up the villa. <laughs>